Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. We believe in the power of conversation because we believe that God is in each and every one of us and that God just doesn't speak through those who are playing music or those who are up front or the person uh, who got the MDiv or whoever the preacher is, that God speaks through each and every one of us. That our, our job in our community is to empower Christ in, in every single one of our lives. That my favorite definition of, of what it means to be Christian is our capacity to see Christ in everyone and everything. And so we have conversations so that we can see Christ, so that we can see uh, one another in a more beautiful way. And so if uh, wherever you're at, you can click on conversation time tab that's there. And we have a question for you to get into today on Zoom. How do you think about sacrifice? Enjoy. Good morning, New Abbey. Welcome back from your groups and the happy Palm Sunday for all of us, wherever you're at. Every year of my life, I come back to this idea that I double down on Jesus, that even in this path of seeing God as more inclusive or being more progressive in my life or deconstructing and reconstructing things, for me, it's not the movement away from Jesus, but actually a movement further and deeper into Jesus and into the life and the practices of what Jesus has for my life. I believe that we are first and foremost a Jesus community, that the way of Jesus is the way that leads to celebration of every human being. It leads to healing for every human being, and it leads to transformation, and eventually it leads to maturity in our lives. That for me, as I listen and look at the way of Jesus, particularly as I look at church history, I'm always really interested in people's practices. That the early church, the way that they define themselves, is they define themselves as the followers of the way. And the word the way in Greek is this word for hadas, which is really the word for road or path, which I think is incredibly helpful for us as practitioners of God in this world. That for so many of us, the idea of Jesus or the idea of Christianity or the idea of faith was that an idea, a conceptual set of beliefs that you had in your head. But for the early church, you followed this path. You followed this interior journey of transformation, of following God and following the way of Jesus, because this is the thing that brings wholeness or healing into the world. I think about it this way. If you've been hiking and you're on an actual path, the beauty of hiking is that you know that you may even know where the trail ends or where the trail is going, but you don't always know the vantage point or your perspective from each step of where you're at in the trail. That the only way to gain a new vantage point is to literally move one foot forward at a time. So we move from a conceptual set of beliefs about God to a way of practice where we have to follow these things like loving our neighbor, loving ourselves, loving God, even loving our, our enemies. And that as we do those things, as we live into kindness or as we're oriented towards justice, as we live out the fruits of the spirit and have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness right in our lives, that it changes who we are and it changes the perspective that that we have in the world, that the way of Jesus is all about movement. It's all about your growth. 
It's all about you going somewhere. It's not just you having more ideas in your head. And here's why that's important to me, is that in a church like New Abbey, what can happen sometimes is that we believe that progressivism is our new savior. Conservatism is the thing that we're working against. We're like, man, that thing hurt me, wounded me. I don't like what that is back there. So we've just traded one fundamentalism for another fundamentalism. But the truth is, is that there's beautiful things within progressivism. We should be more woke. We should be more socially and justice conscious. There are a lot of things in this world that we should get angry about or frustrated about or want to see changed. But there's a shadow side to progressivism just as much as there's a shadow side to conservatism. That for conservatism, the shadow side is fear. That's why you're conserving something. You're trying to keep the thing that's working for you and you're scared of what change looks like. For progressivism, the shadow side is anger. It's a monster that you can keep feeding it, but it will never truly be satisfied. The way of Jesus is neither conservatism or progressivism. It's a different pathway for a human being that says there are gonna be things that you conserve in your life and there's gonna be things that you progress in in your life and you're gonna move forward in those things in your own journey and your own transformation. That you can be incredibly woke, you can be socially justice-oriented and mindful, and you can still be, like many of the conservative Christians in places that you left, an asshole. That just because you're more woke or just because you're more socially minded doesn't mean that you've experienced transformation in your own life. The path is a path of interior transformation and healing. This is the thing that Jesus comes to invite us into. Right? Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, life to the fullest, and you have life to the fullest by not trading one box for another box. You have life to the fullest by entering into a new pathway that is rooted in practice and in a journey where we grow and where we heal together and where we're constantly always gaining a larger perspective and vantage point for what it means to be human and for our own lives. So as we're here on Palm Sunday, a day that is filled with juxtapositions, it's a day of celebration, that the king has come, that a new salvation has come, that a new story has arrived, new freedom, a new covenant is here, that we celebrate what God is going to do in the world, how God will sacrifice and the path and the journey that God invites us into. And at the same time, as we shout Hosanna, as we say praise God for the liberation that God's gonna bring into our lives, there's also the juxtaposition that the week ahead is a week of suffering. It's a week of the passion. It's a week of the lowest of lows, the darkest of moments where even Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe the most human words that can be spoken. Where even in our darkest and deepest moments, we feel like even the divine is not here. And then it's a juxtaposition of both, of the celebration of what life can be and of the suffering sometimes of what it means to be human. And so the big idea, the center of gravity that I wanna hold on to today as we look at the life of Jesus on Palm Sunday is we're asking this bigger question or leaning into this bigger idea of who God is and who we are. That Jesus gives us both. Jesus, the incarnate one, shows us the fullness of the divine and says, this is what God's like as you look into the life of Jesus, that God is not angry and judgmental and is here to send a bunch of people to hell. No, the life of Jesus shows us that God is compassionate, 
endlessly kind, gracious, finds those who are the most broken, the most hurting in society, speaks to the power systems and says, I'm going to give you life. That's how we see who God is, that God is one who constantly shows up into every facet of what it means to be human, that we get to learn about who we are, that we made in the image of this creator, Right, can also move into the likeness of God, that we too can be compassionate and justice-oriented and filled with gentleness and love, that we too can have a different way of seeing the world, that this is what Jesus comes to do. That as Richard Rohr says so beautifully, that Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about us, that Jesus came to change our minds about God, that Jesus shows us a better way of who God is and a better way of what it means to be human. So if we're going to look at Palm Sunday in a fresh way through the life of Jesus to see more of who God is and more of who we are, we got to do some things. We're going to talk about Passover. And if we can talk about Passover, then we're going to think about sacrifice in a different way. And if we can really understand sacrifice and all of the parts that we have in it, then we can ask ourselves, are we celebrators of this life that we're given? And if we can do that, then a little Kendrick Lamar, be humble, my friends. And if we can be humble, then maybe we'll talk about what it means to inspire. And then if we can be truly inspired, then what we all want, we want to be untamed. And if we can be untamed, then we'll move into some practices. So if you have your Bibles, a phone app, or if you just want to listen along to me, we are in John 12, verse 12, and it goes like this. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches out and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it as it is written. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see how this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. In John 12, what's taking place is that the Passover is happening. The Passover for the Jews is the moment of liberation where they remember the story of Egypt, that God came and freed them from their bondage and their impression to Pharaoh. And it's a powerful story for the Jews at this time in a Roman environment because once again, there's a superpower in this world who is systematically oppressing them and their way of life and who they are, that they are a marginalized community seeking freedom. And every year, Jews from around the world, the diaspora, those that have been dispersed all around the Mediterranean, will come back to Jerusalem to remember the time that they put uh, the sacrificial blood of lambs all over their door and that the Spirit of God passed over their homes and that dealt with Egypt. 
And they remember that that was their salvation moment where God came and freed the slaves, where their God is a God who does not just support the kings and the emperors and the powerful in this world, but their God is a God who cares for the lowest of the low, the most marginalized, that their God is a God who turns the world upside down and says, blessed are even those that you think that are not blessed, that this God is for everyone. We're here to free the slaves and to free pharaohs into a new way of being. And as you've probably heard being in the life of the church for many years, or if you just probably just culturally know that for the Jews, they had an expectation of who Jesus was going to be, of the type of king that Jesus would be, and of the type of savior that Jesus would be. That I think the story of Passover, that the story of Palm Sunday is powerful 2,000 years ago, just as it's powerful today. That we still live in a world where systematically we know that things aren't all right. That there are powers that are not benefiting everybody in our culture. That there are laws that need to change. That there are people who continue to be wounded and hurt. And that people are pleading and longing for something bigger than themselves. Uh, dare we say God to come in and to rescue them not only on a corporate level, but also on a personal level. Would we grieve? Would we honor ourselves? Would we be gracious to ourselves for the reality that for the last year, we've been so isolated from one another? And that human beings were not made for Zoom. Zoom was made for human beings. You know, you get what <laughs> That we were made to have relationship with one another. That's, the statistics are out. Uh, suicide rates are up by over 50%. Depression, anxiety rates are up by over 50%, right? We have a huge mental health crisis that's taking place in addition to a global pandemic that uh, black and brown people have been disproportionately affected by this uh, from an economic standpoint, that you name it, at every level of society and fabric of who we are, people feel hurt. People are at their wit's end. Not for everybody, but definitely for many people within our society. This isn't life as we imagined it. And we're longing for something new. And maybe it's appropriate as we look at the story of Palm Sunday to say, oh, God just wasn't working 2,000 years ago. That This is a story about us following this way of Jesus. And it's a story of our own freedom even now. That in the story, it says that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. That whenever that phrase comes up in the scriptures that Jesus was on his way, right, in the Greek, the original audience would have heard that Jesus was on the path, that Jesus was on the road, that the way for Jesus, that the way for the followers of Jesus is to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the word that means city of peace, Jerusalem. And shalom is not a word for peace as we would understand it in our context, that peace for many of us, particularly Americans, I think we think it means that there will not be troubles or that we'll continue to be happy or that bad things won't happen to us. But it's the farthest from the truth of what the word shalom means. That shalom is this Hebrew idea that opposites are joining together. It's this idea that shalom is a greeting and it's a goodbye. It's a joining of the opposites. Shalom is this idea that two people greet one another with shalom and that they're different. It's the joining of opposites. It's the recognition of the space between us as human beings. And it's inviting us into a larger sense of wholeness. 
that there's the joining of opposites in the Palm Sunday story. It's, again, the joining of opposites of celebration and the joining of opposites of suffering. And isn't that what it means to be human? That we're constantly living in the tension of both. That we're constantly figuring out both. That we're constantly moving and sorting and transforming and pivoting because that's how we live. We want things to be clean. We say big words like, do you have balance in your life? Balance isn't real. It's not a thing, right? The universe was not created to be balanced. It's constantly in flux. That's the fun of the thing. That's the enjoyment in the path and in the process. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, Shalom, this city of Shalom, this city of the joining of opposites, that the pathway that Jesus is inviting his followers into is a pathway where we can handle the great oppositions, the opposites that hold this world together all of the time, that we're not people who just live in red or blue lines. We're not just people who are conservative or progressive. We're not people who just live in black and white polar opposites, but that we can hold the complexity of everything. That's what maturity looks like. And so as we move into this Jerusalem, into the joining of this opposite, sacrifice is needed. Sacrifice shows us who God is, and sacrifice shows us who we are. That in the story of sacrifice, it's this reality that we all have a part to play if we're going to move towards this wholeness and this healing. That God is always the one who who initiates sacrifice. That the story is that God knew what was ahead in Jerusalem and still went there anyways. God was aware that people thought it meant celebration, but it would lead to a week of suffering. And only through our greatest suffering, through our greatest crucifixions, through our own deaths, would we ever experience resurrection. And so God takes us down that pathway. God says, this is the direction that I'm leading you in, that it's going to cost me something. Of course that it is, but it's a modeling and it's an example for the followers of this way that you too will have to sacrifice. That we live in a world where we talk about self-love in a way sometimes where it eventually leads to selfishness. Uh, I, I've, I have this great example of this one person like five years ago who calls me at like 11.30 at night and says, uh, I need you to go pick up somebody from the airport. It's too late, and I've created these boundaries in my life, so I need you to pick up so-and-so, our friend. I'm like, wait a minute. How did your boundaries now lead me to picking somebody up at 11.30 at night? And we put it in the guise of, I am so woke now, and I have boundaries, and I know that I need sleep and need to take care of myself, but at the cost of everybody else? So we've traded codependence over here for independence over here, and then we put the stamp of freedom on it. But the story of God, of seeing who God is and seeing who we are, is constantly a story of interdependence. I'm so aware, I'm so awake, I'm so transformed, I'm so mature that I realize that it is about my boundaries, it is about my freedom, but never at the cost of others, that I actually am very aware of what this might mean for others. That's the thing that is leading to my maturity. I have a greater awareness of other people around me, and of course I'm going to have a greater awareness of when I say no as well. It's both and. It was never either or. Don't let somebody convince you that the box over here is somehow better. It's not. It's just a different box. But this pathway says you have to hold both. And if we're going to heal, we're going to heal together. If we're going to get there, we're going to go as a team. 
As Brene Brown so beautifully says, and as we've said so many times in here, your healing is dependent upon my healing, and my healing is dependent upon yours, and our healing, the healing of the world. That is the sacrifice we make. So when I say during uh, the time that we do giving, when I say, hey, if you need a therapist and you can't afford it, would you reach out for money? I'm dead serious about that. We would be honored to pay for your therapy because when you're healed, we're more healed. This isn't about money. This is about your transformation, that when you're at your best, when you're living your dreams, when you're in your transformation, when you're in your healing, it leads more to mine and vice versa. I take my therapy seriously. I take my marriage seriously. I take raising my children seriously. I take what I've been entrusted with this church seriously because I know from an interdependent perspective, the sacrifices that I make there affect you. And I know so many of you, and you have been there for me at my darkest and and most down moments that you've supported me. That's the way that we're on with one another. If we can be people of sacrifice, realizing this is who God is and this is who we are, then we can also be people who are celebrators. We can celebrate the life that we're given. That when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, they shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise God is what it translates to, praise. It's a moment of celebration. Sometimes in the box of progressivism over here, I don't think we know how to celebrate anymore because we're just so angry all the time. I don't want to move into this box and be so aware and so woke, but when I finally get to the destination that I'm just cynical, sarcastic, and mean all the time. Hey, I want to have a voice. I want to make sure everybody has a voice, that we can declare the world that we want to live into. But when we get to the promised land, I want to be people of hope and filled with joy. I know the journey to get there was difficult, but when we arrive, we want to be people who are still able to celebrate the humanity that we've been given. I don't want to look behind and see that we just have dead bodies behind us and that we've burned everything down. That's not the life that we're moving into either. We can handle both. We can declare our desire for justice and we can still celebrate what God's doing in our lives and who we are and just the gift of being alive today. I have a little repenting to do when it comes to the life of New Abbey. For so many years, I was somebody who would poke fun of the megachurch world that I came from, poke fun of the lasers and the lights and the fog machines because I thought it was emotionally abusive or I thought that it was really just like a, you know, it's just all about getting a hit going there on Sunday and then you go back to your life and it didn't really work for you. But what I've learned over the year is we need those moments of celebration. Hopefully in a community like this, as you see the diversity of who we are and what we're all about, Uh, you realize, oh, all of life is worth celebrating. But there's something so powerful about coming into a space and experiencing the energy of other people and declaring, yep, I believe that too. Yep, I'm all about that as well. Yep, that's the journey that I'm on. And I've lost that in some ways. I've lost the freedom to sing and to engage and to celebrate. Even as I experienced this morning the beauty of what took place musically, I've realized, man, I've become so cynical around some things that I've lost the ability to celebrate who God is and who I am. Why would I want that? I'm not saying that this has to be the thing for you, but you know, we go to sporting events for the same reason. There's something powerful when human beings get in a room and we experience that energy from one another and we're chanting for that ball to move that much further, right? Let alone coming into a room and saying, man, I wanna celebrate the existence that we have and a God who 
birthed us from love, who saves us in love, who frees us in love, who is ahead of us in love, that this is the good news that we celebrate in. Of course I want to declare these things. And what I'm realizing is I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's some areas that I've done a good job, and there are other areas, to be honest, I think I've gone too far. There are areas where, as a pastor of this community, where I feel like I have led us in a way that's too cynical. I've easily and freely mocked many of the other megachurches. Why? Because of the way that they've hurt so many of your lives. But I realize, man, I, I, I did it in a weird way of love, but also that's not who I want to be. I don't want to get to Jerusalem and have lost my ability to celebrate. What's life worth living for if we can't celebrate well? That who God is is one who celebrates. Who we are are people who celebrate. And as we do that for God and for ourselves, I think it frees us to see the world in a completely different way. And so if we can be people who understand what it means to sacrifice and that all of our healing works together, and if we can live into the freeing of healing with one another, then I think that we can be people who can also experience humility in a different way. That in this story, Jesus comes and he rides on a donkey, and many of you have heard in sermons before that Jesus didn't come like a conquering king on a white horse. He didn't come to destroy the Roman Empire and to wage war against the powers that be. Instead, Jesus came riding on a donkey to show that he is a prince of peace. That Jesus came riding on a donkey to say, hey, the way and the pathway of God is for, for the lowly. It's a way of sacrifice. It's a way of humility. That this is the actual way that we heal the world. And we know that. The people that we're inspired by beyond Jesus are the Gandhis and the Nelson Mandelas and the MLK Juniors and the Mother Teresas of this world. That they chose a path of humility. And there's a both and in this path. It's not the story that we heard over here, which is the story of false humility, where you just continue to get beat down and you let people treat you poorly and, you know, you don't speak up and, you know, you're supposed to be quiet in the church or whatever the things that you heard. It's not that story. It's also not a story over here where we're so angry and so arrogant all the time that we miss the capacity for, I think, the pathway that's in the middle. That beyond the false humility and beyond the arrogance is a healthy, I think, humble confidence. It's a humble confidence in the pathway that we're on. In a pathway where we know that there's 2,000 years of saints before us who have gone down this pathway and the best of them have changed and transformed the world. That when humanity has been at its best is when it's teaching people some false humility where people get oppressed or suppressed or where people choose a pathway of arrogance and they hurt and they damage people. But we say, no, there's a different way of being as we follow this Jesus. It's one where we'll choose humility and we'll have confidence in the path that we're taking and that it's filled with nuance. It's incredibly complicated. It's filled with the life where we have to be more mature and we have to navigate the path every day that we're on it and we're not gonna do it perfectly but we're gonna live into the joining of these opposites so that we can be the healthiest and most transformed versions of ourselves. And if we can be humble in a different way, if we can see that God was humble in a different way, that the story that Jesus gives is not one of fire and brimstone, it is one of sacrifice and celebration, it is one of offering new life in this way, if we can see that this is who we get to be as well, then I think that we have the ability in our lives to inspire ourselves and others in a different way. 
I love that when Jesus speaks to the crowds, the scriptures that are quoted is, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See the king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. This idea of do not be afraid. Do not be afraid even in these opposites. Even in this moment where it looks like the world is systematically giving you its worst, do not be afraid. Trust this pathway that you're on. Trust that God will get you through this because you're here, that God's gotten you through that and he will get you through the next thing. Trust that God is leading you down a different path, that God has gotten humanity to this point. And if we've gotten this far, would we have a little faith and a little trust that God will get us to the next phase of our journeys as well? Was it perfect this far? Of course not. Is that an excuse for atrocities that have taken place? Of course not. But how will this generation respond to this way of Jesus? How will we live into a new way where we are inspired by the way that we're on and that we would inspire others to a third journey, knowing that neither of these boxes are the answer for us, but that there's a new way of interdependence and sacrifice where we show people this way of love. There's a new way of celebration, that there's a new way of humility. Imagine what humility would have looked like in November and over the last four years in our political system. Imagine a taste of it. What would it look like? how we would have responded to it, how what we really want at the end of the day is not two candidates shouting over one another, but what we really long for is deep ownership and humility, that we crave it. We crave it from our political parties. We crave it in our own relationships. We know it to be true in our experiences. We've all had that yelling at the top of your lungs experience with somebody else, and you know this is not the way forward. We both left here wounded and hurt, and nobody changed their mind. And the way of Jesus as we inspire people is that we will show you, and we don't have to always tell you, we'll show you a better way of existence. And I think as we finally move into this place where we see a new inspiring way of being, I think the freedom that we get is that we get to get out of the boxes. I love this last part of the story that goes on here where the Pharisees are just perplexed at seeing Jesus where the Pharisees say, man, now the whole world follows him, that they're fearful. They're fearful that their conservative box and the way that they know it, and this is how you control God, and this is how you get things done, is gonna be shattered open. And one of the things I always wanna invite us into is that the beauty and the story of God is that God never wanted to be tamed either. God was never interested in being in a box. That the story of Judaism is that God wasn't interested in being in the box that was the Ten Commandments. God wasn't interested in being in the box that's the temple. That where God always wants to be is living and thriving within each and every one of us. That we should be untamed into who we are. That so many people have told you that so many parts of you are not good or they're intrinsically bad or that somehow that you're evil or that you were just a sinner from your mother's womb but we wanna be untamed, that we wanna get out of the boxes and I'm somehow gonna get in here and do this with you. There we go, right? Oh, this is gonna hurt. I'm not getting in here, by the way. But we wanna get out, that we wanna tell a bigger story of good news that untames everything for all of us where we wanna tell a story where this box just cannot fit, right? cannot work, cannot hold us, cannot hold who God is, no longer gets to tell us what it means to be human and what it looks like to follow God, that we can be people who are on a pathway to this new Jerusalem, this new path of wholeness, where we can handle the opposites in this world and together we can bring healing for the world. That's the story that we're being invited into.
And we don't do that with just a bunch of conceptual beliefs. We do that because every day we just put one path in front of the other, one foot in front of the other on this path, that we're gracious to ourselves. And we say, today, on this day, on this Sunday, I have a little bit different perspective than I did yesterday. Why? I'm just a little bit further down the path. I'm at a little bit higher elevation. The fog's just cleared a little bit. And a year from now, I'm gonna be over here. I'm gonna look back, I'm gonna say, man, I'm so grateful for that. I'm not gonna judge history back there because I just saw things differently back there, but this is who I am today. Oh man, when I look back on the path, there's all these other people that I want them to be woke. I want them to be further along. I want whatever, but you know what? I'm gonna be gracious to them because I was there one day too. And when I look ahead, I see that there have been saints before me who have gone ahead, that they're way more woke, way more inclined, way more healed, way more gentle. And you know what they learned in their healing and their transformation way up the mountain path of there? They learned to be gracious to me. They gave me space to walk up that mountain. They didn't judge me or condemn me. Instead, they sacrificed so that I could get there. They celebrated God and they celebrated me every step of the way. That they led a path of humility so that I could see where I was walking on this trail. I wasn't going blindly. I already saw that there was a pathway made for me by all of those faithful people ahead. That when I looked ahead, I realized that there are people up there, right, who have inspired a vision for us. That they have been untamed. That they have released God from the box and now that I get to do this in the world one day at a time one step of a time, but we all get to do it together. This is the way that we've been invited into, a way of practicing Jesus, a better way for our humanity, a better way to see God. We have this question for you as you get back into your groups. What fresh way can you practice following Jesus? Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.